What a great day it is to go inside EMS, and I'm your host, Chris Savalero. i got to tell you, this is a milestone for us, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this episode of the Inside EMS is sponsored by Pulsara. Learn more about how you can build a regional system of care for free at www.pulsara.com EMS. Like I said, we are at a milestone right here. And first, I want to bring in my partner, my friend, my buddy, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are you? I'm great, man. I'm, I'm anxious to, to uh, be on the show and, and celebrate this milestone with you, my pal. 250 shows, five-year five anniversary. It, it, time flies when you're having fun. It sure does, and I can't believe it. seems like only that's, yesterday that's awesome. I was picking you up and bringing you over to the show and uh, propping you up as, uh, as a role model. And we have a guest, so uh, let's go ahead. I'll let you introduce our guest. <laughs> yeah, our special guest this week is our buddy, friend, our chief honcho, our mentor, uh, editor-in-chief of EMS1, Greg Freeze. Greg, welcome to the show. Well, guys, thanks for having me, and congratulations. Five years, 250 shows. Uh, that's quite a milestone. Uh, something, certainly, that's got to look great on your resumes uh, or even relationships that you've maintained uh, for this long. So congratulations. I appreciate that you've put up with one another. And then, but more importantly, the, uh, the great content that you've put together week after week for listeners of Inside EMS. I got to tell you, it's been really fun. And what's amazing is over the five years, we've had over 652,000 plays of our podcast, Kelly. 652,000. And uh, a lot of those people are probably coming back to listen to you. I, I would hope so. I would hope so. It, it would depress me to find out they're listening to you. Well, whatever no, it is. In all seriousness, no, that, that's, a, uh, that's a pretty awesome, uh, awesome figure. And, and it's uh, gratifying and humbling to know that we've been listened to that many times and that, that people dig what we're doing. Really? And for everybody out there, I want to thank you. I mean, we see a lot of the same listeners, and we can see who's downloading the shows. And we really appreciate those folks that are there. And we promise to give you another great year as we set off towards year six and 300 shows. But, you know, I think today one of the things that we want to look at is, you know, I've been in EMS since 1986, and I know, Kelly, you've got uh, 26 or 27 years in the bag, and, and Greg, you've mm -hmm. been around since the uh, brown shoe days of the Air Force in the 1940s. And um, how long have you been How long have you been in EMS, Greg? Oh, probably 30 I, uh, years, I became right? an EMT, uh, it was either 2000 or 2001. Okay. I forget which year, but uh, right around the turn of the century. There you go, the turn of the century. And that worked out well into the joke. But I thought one of the things that we could talk about is really how has the EMS professional really kind of transformed over the years? So we're talking about a milestone of five years, Kelly. But over the decades, over the 50 years of EMS, you know, modern day EMS is just over 50 uh -huh. years old. How has that changed? And Greg, I think for you... Uh, you know, coming in and actually being in the position that you're in on top of EMS One's editorial, and you're kind of seeing a lot of changes, and you're kind of seeing a lot of differences in the education. So if I can kind of just pitch it to you to say, what has transpired, or what was the transition like for the EMS professional over the past, let's say, 10 years or so? Yeah, you know, Chris, thanks. I think it's changed more. Our expectations of an outstanding EMS professional have probably changed more in the last five years than in the previous 10 or 15 years combined. And I think there's maybe a number of things that attribute that to part of it's just uh, 
the changing access we have to information through the smartphones that we carry, uh, not only us, but the people that teach us and supervise us. And I made a list of a few ideas of the ways I think our expectations of an outstanding EMS professional have changed in the last five years. And the top of my list, the first thing that I thought of was, you know, for somebody to be outstanding in our profession, we expect them to be a continuous learner, not just showing up for mandatory CE, uh, but consuming and finding information on their own through websites, podcasts, the foam uh, free open uh, access to medical education movement, uh, any number of ways that they might participate as a continuous learner, both formally uh, by maybe seeking a, gr- a degree or maybe informally, you know, just the tremendous access that we have to information now. Yeah, I think we really expect that outstanding EMS professionals will always be learning. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing how much uh, both the, the variety of education has expanded and the ways in which we seek it. I, I think generally as a population, we've just, we, we, we get our information differently than we did even 10 short years ago. Um, the, the distance learning uh, explosion and, and, and uh, distributive learning and, and seeking all sorts of avenues other than just a brick and mortar classroom has really, uh, I think, transformed uh, education and by extension, uh, EMS education. So when we think about this, I mean, from an educational standpoint, where we talk about this continuous learning, are we seeing a change in the caliber then of the care that's being provided to our patients? We just seeing, you know, smarter EMS professionals, but are they applying that knowledge? I mean, so when we talk about continuous learning, does it seem to be helping any? I don't have evidence to say one way or the other. I think maybe it's more just a perspective of uh, maybe it's the people I'm connected with, uh, both in a face-to-face relationships or online relationships and uh, maybe the energy with the, which they're seeking out a uh, new knowledge. You know, I, Kelly, you know, what's your sense? You've uh, coined the phrase, the low information voters of, of EMS. Is that a cohort that's uh, static, uh, smaller? Uh, what's your sense? Uh, it, there will always be the low information voters of EMS, and, and you will find them, sadly enough, uh, rampant in social media. Um, but over the last five to 10 years, I, I've noticed a lot more of the clueful people are chiming in. So the, the signal to noise ratio is getting stronger. Um, there's still going to be the noise. And you're never going to get rid of that just from the, the you know, the, the format of social media allows you to, you know, allows you to, uh, to have an opinion without actually having a, uh, a thought um, or, or putting any, any diligence into, uh, into how you uh, form that opinion. But I, I think the clueful people are gaining. Um, I know uh, from my own perspective that I'm turning out a better thinker, a better critical thinker, and more clinically astute EMTs than I was 10 years ago. No question in my mind about that. And the materials that I've been using have, have expanded dramatically. Um, both uh, the traditional textbooks and the online resources I'm using. So um, I'm doing better at it. I think a lot of other people are too. Good. So what else What else you got on your list, Greg? How, what yeah, else so this is, this is a related one. And I think an expectation that we have of outstanding EMS professionals in 2019 
is that they're a careful consumer of online information. So I think this is related to continuous learning that because there's just this explosion of information available to be really outstanding, you have to become a better finder and a sort of judge of uh, sort of the quality of information, whether it's the the source of the information, how it's presented, how it's cited, uh, and then to be able to, when you curate and share out with your community, you know, I think outstanding EMS professionals have just gotten better at that, of yeah. finding top level of information and then sharing out the best of the best. Yeah. As Abraham Lincoln once said, uh, always check the citations on anything you read on the internet. So, <laughs> exactly, he was one of our great presidents, wasn't he? Yes, yes, he was. And so, a really outstanding paramedic preceptor. Yes, so, he was. Uh, yes, he was. Th- that was back in the horse and buggy days. But anyway, you know. So, but I think that you know one of the things that we're starting to see now, and I think you know we've talked about it on this show earlier on where people are coming out of school and they think that they have to know everything there is to know about being a paramedic. And really they're just kind of touching on the things that need to be touched on to get us through the curriculum. But the continuation of learning happens once we graduate. And, you know, you and I, Kelly, we've talked about several times that we need to kind of, you know, pick a body system or or pick a a topic once a month and just keep reading about it because we're never going to learn everything. So, but, but Greg, do you think from the side of learn of knowing where to find the information, are people, you know, in your opinion, are they using it more during class or are they using it more as continuing education as they're trying to grow and move forward? So I think it's both. I wonder, you know, I am frequently on the receiving end of uh, people that sort of complain about kids these days and like, oh, I got these paramedic students. They're always on their smartphones. What if they're on their smartphone to learn more about uh, a medication or to learn more about a patient that just presented to them or to prepare for a class? I think the, you know, to some degree, the answer to your question is unknown, I guess I'm optimistic uh, that uh, the pursuit of knowledge is a motivator for many people, regardless of their profession. And so hopefully that's the case in EMS as well. And to your point, Greg, of, of you know, kids constantly being on their smartphones, and I, I shouldn't call them kids. I mean, millennials are, are bumping up on 40 years of age now. The latest generation constantly being on their smartphones. One of the things that helped my, my uh helped my classroom was, was I quit trying to fight it and started embracing it. You know, they're, you're not going to get them off their phones. Uh, but if you can get on their phones with, with some meaningful purpose behind it, you can, you can uh, speak to them in, in a, a language that they understand. So, you know, it's, it's odd that we have the sum total of human knowledge available at our fingertips in a small handheld device. And we still use it to argue with each other, look at pornography or cat pictures. Um, and I decided that, that, okay, if I can just keep them from doing the pornography cat pictures and, and argue with each other um, and harness that for, for use in my classrooms, then, then the more power to them. They process and obtain information differently than we did. And that's not to say that they do it worse. They just do it differently. So if you're going to teach them, if you're going to communicate with a modern EMT, uh, you, you've got to use modern methods. 
So, Greg, a lot of changes, too, uh, in on your list. You have empathy, compassion, and then some of the things we're dealing with is the opioid epidemic, you know, co-workers with mental illness. You know, again, un unfortunately, we continue to hear about those uh, first responders that end their life by their own hand. And, you know, it seems like we're gaining a little bit of traction now than we were maybe five years ago, but uh, th this is definitely a transformation. Yeah, Chris, I really believe that's the case, that to be an outstanding EMS professional, we need to have a level of empathy and compassion that's different than we might have expected five or 10 or 15 years ago. And I personally think that's a great thing. Uh, and it's, it's good for our providers and how uh, perhaps they interact with the public, whether it's uh, opioid, a patient that overdoses on opioids or a regular caller of services. And then also for coworkers, that's, I, I think, really been transformative and largely because of grassroots efforts, organizations like the Code Green Campaign and Reviving Responders, and then just individuals within their departments that say, hey, we got to be here for one another. There's resources available. It's not acceptable to uh, lose coworkers, even if it's just losing them to quitting the profession. It's just not acceptable to lose our coworkers, our brothers and sisters, um, because of traumatic stress without at least uh, reaching out and offering up resources. And I actually wrote about it this week about a study that I saw that looked at uh, the percentage of employers that have plans in place for employee suicide prevention and then also uh, opioid addiction. And overall, employers across all industries, only 22% had any plan in place. And it's actually an area where I feel EMS is ahead of other types of employers. And it's just because I think the importance that's been placed, especially on the uh, mental health and traumatic stress piece uh, by grassroots organizations, really getting the attention of associations, legislatures, organization leadership, and affecting change that's happening nationally. And I think it's uh, commendable to those organizations, advocates like the two of you, and the platform that you've been able to give to, to people like the Co-Green Campaign right. uh, to be on Inside EMS and supporting other initiatives. And so it's appreciation for the work you're doing, and then also just appreciation for the people that are changing our culture of what it means to be outstanding in EMS that, uh, you know, we look out for one another. Right. And I think that it's one of those things that, you know, everybody that has started this movement, this is one that doesn't need to end. But, you know, I really, I think we've had a good, you know, talking about how we've transitioned over the past few years. But I would really like to spend some time and get your opinions on what the EMS provider of tomorrow needs to look like. You know, we always talk about people who think they're God's gift to EMS or the, or the you know, the trauma gods or whatever it is we want to say. But what is it, what really goes into making a good EMS professional? And I want to hear your opinions. But before we do that, Pulsera provides a real-time communication network across entire regions, and it's free to EMS. The Pulsera platform, built on the power of mobile technology, Unites the right clinicians at the right time for the right patient, providing transparency and streamlined communication. 
Simply create a dedicated patient channel, build the team, and communicate using audio, video, instant messaging, data, images, and key benchmarks. Any patient, any condition, every time. And did we mention it's free to EMS? For more information, visit pulsera.com slash EMS. That's P-U-L-S-A-R-A dot com slash EMS. You know, I kind of posed the question, Kelly, I want to go ahead and start with you. We, we know the transition that's happened, but what does the EMS provider, the EMS professional need to look like? What qualities do they need to have as we start to move forward for the next five years? Man, that's the that's the $64,000 question. You know, those of us who are EMS educators have, have long said that we're trying to create the EMT of the future uh, without knowing what the EMT of the future actually will be. Um, personally, I think it's going to be a more holistically trained, and I'm not talking about holistic and complementary medicine. I'm talking about looking at the entire picture rather than just uh, the emergency that is before your eyes. <clears throat> as our knowledge base expands and, and, and as our role expands within healthcare uh, to something um, that is not per se pre-hospital care, but simply out of hospital care, uh, and less uh, less focused entirely on emergencies uh, as it is focused on the environment that we're in outside of a hospital and outside the realms of, of uh, traditional healthcare. I think that we're going to have to have broader education and we're going to have to, and, and implicit in that is we have to start looking at patients as people um, and, and, and considering their, their socioeconomic and societal needs and, and all of those things. Uh, they can't just be the ultimate high fidelity skills mannequin anymore, and I think that that trend has already uh, well underway. Um, and I hope it, don't, it it expands. We're we're going to be a more uh, um, broadly experienced and skilled provider than just providing emergency care in the future. Kelly captured many of the things I was thinking about about the, just the preparation for. Uh, out of hospital care, mostly non-emergent. You know, I mentioned, I think I got the EMT training in 2000 or 2001. And my memories of that was that it was just really focused on traumatic injury. And then a bit of a shock to the system, I think, like many people have gone through of like, oh, wait, you know, I'm going on calls to help you know, old people that are not feeling well or old people that fell down uh, or old people with breathing problems or chest pain and not seeing much uh, blood and, and bodily disfiguration here. So I think that piece, you know, the, the EMS Agenda 2050 is worth reading partly because it does try to envision what the future EMT or paramedic might be called upon to do and perhaps sets out maybe not a specific endpoint, but, uh, you know, a potential guardrails on where we might be headed as a profession within the transformation of of healthcare, where patients are having hospital stays that are shorter, more telemedicine encounters, more remote monitoring, more artificial intelligence uh, that will will make decisions for a patient's care uh, and you know having a workforce that's used to working in people's homes, that's able to be dispatched uh, out to those locations is going to be really helpful. You know, the other thing I would add to your initial question, Chris, is 
and I know this has been a popular topic recently on the podcast, is the importance of a college degree. And the, uh, you know, we're going to reach a point either through uh, licensure, legislation, or simply to get hired, you're going to need an associate's degree. Certainly, there'll be any number of people that will be grandfathered into that. But the doors that have opened to me throughout my career partly have opened because of the fact that I had a college degree and actually a master's degree before I started in EMS. And I want any listener to have all possible options. And in the future, they will have more options as they advance their education. And one of the things, so I receive inquiries for people that want to write for police1.com, firerescue1.com, and ems1.com. And one of the things that really stands out as how the potential writers are different is almost every police officer that I hear from that wants to write for Police One has a master's degree or a PhD. And it's very rare uh, to get an inquiry from a paramedic that also has a bachelor's degree, uh, let alone an advanced degree. So uh, more doors will open to people with the more education they have. I think that's just a fact. And I think that one of the things that we need to think about as well is right now, we don't need an organization to tell us we need a degree. We don't need an organization to tell us we need to change our you know, educational requirements. Go out and get your degree. If you know that it's going to come, you don't have to wait for somebody to say by 2025 or by 2020, we need to have associate's degree. You know, go out and get the education and prove that that's making a difference now rather than somebody having to mandate that. But I digress. But here's the question that I want to have. So we talked about education, and I think it's true that we need to have better educated paramedics and EMTs as we move forward. But what about the skills that we're not talking about? What about the things like teaching emotional intelligence and conflict resolution and, you know, managing, you know, crisis management and maybe even communication skills? Where do they fit into the, you know, EMS professional of the future? Great question, Chris. The the thing that that comes to mind for me right away is almost a hierarchy of needs, like the provider is number one. So that sort of self-care, health and wellness, uh, ability to uh, learn, manage traumatic uh, stress, or even just like general stress, uh, be healthy on the job. I would put that number one of like, I, I want EMTs and paramedics to just get better at taking care of number one, and that's that's them. Be selfish, put yourself first, uh, and then build off of that to have a better relationship with your partner, to get better at defusing or de-escalating uh, situations with other providers, uh, other public safety professionals, and prof- and patients. Um, you know. Th- that's how I would start with is like, you know, put yourself first, be selfish, and then kind of work out from there. Greg, I want to turn that back to you. I want to ask you the question. Do you think that our, our shift in mindset, you know, more toward wellness and, and self-care and that thing, you think that's a that's an epiphany we've had as a profession uh, that just took 30 years in the making? Or do you think that that kind of thing is driven 
by the current uh, generation in our workforce, uh, the millennials and the, and the Generation Z uh, kids coming into EMS who have a different set of priorities um, than, than the, the Generation X and the baby boomers. So you think that's we've collectively as a profession wised up or are the kids teaching us something? I think it's probably both in that uh, I think we see this happening in other industries, uh, nursing, physicians. Uh, there's more conversations about uh, self-care and wellness. And um, and also, you know, I see these conversations happening in corrections and law enforcement, firefighting. So I think there's a, a cross industry. Certainly dispatchers are having similar conversations about health and wellness and self-care. Uh, and, and and then I also, I forget who I heard speak as perhaps a, a pinnacle EMS uh, leadership forum. And the speaker was sort of talking about generational differences. And he was uh, near the end of his career and he was observing, yeah, we've got these younger people in, in their workforce, in our workforce that are interested in having a life outside of work. And and learning more and maybe trying something else in life. And the person said things like, wow, what's so wrong with that? Of like wanting a good night's sleep or being healthy enough to enjoy time with your family or maybe not wanting to do the same thing forever. And so I, I think it's a little bit of both of, you know, maybe older members of the workforce thinking, wow, I, you know, you mean I didn't have to make job number one for the last 30 years at the expense of my health and my relationships exactly exactly <laughs> it's the the dinosaurs are saying you know you kids these days you got no work ethic you're lazy uh, you know in my day we we got up early we worked hard all day we devoted our lives to our our jobs and we made our money and we died early of heart attacks and by god we were grateful yeah. <laughs> and, and I think people are starting to see the the how ludicrous that that position is, uh, and perhaps that the newer generation has a has a better take on things than we give them credit for. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What's the EMT of the future going to be like? Not only in in clinical skills and and knowledge, but what are the defining character traits of the EMT of the future? What uh, what's that person going to be? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at EMS1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself, co-host Chris Cavallaro, and our special guest, Editor-in-Chief Greg Freeze, the three guys who have been here at the beginning and through 250 shows and 650,000 individual downloads. Thank you guys for turning into Inside EMS. We're going to catch you next week.